All right, thank you. <clears throat> Let's all stand for a moment. I want us to recite together the Nicene Creed. Now, how many are familiar with the Nicene Creed? Anybody grow up on it, for, with it? Okay. The Nicene Creed is one of the two. It's, it, there are several creeds in the, in the church, and this is one of the two main creeds uh, in the church. So I thought it would be good that we uh, just stand and recite it together. Wording might be a little different than what you grew up with because translation into English depends on who's doing it. And I did not do it because I don't know the original. All right, together. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the quick and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated. That is what we believe as Orthodox Christians. That is our doctrine. A um, couple of clarifying things, if in case that is new to you. When, he says, when it says to judge the quick and the dead, quick is an old word for living. Doesn't mean you have to be able to you know, run a mile in you know, so many seconds. Um, it's the living and the dead, and where it says one holy Catholic and apostolic church, it's talking about the universal church. The word Catholic is not speaking Roman Catholic. They are a part of the church, but this is talking about the universal church as established by the Jesus and the, and the apostles. Matthew chapter 16 tells us that when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And, he re and they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. He speaks this to the disciples and he says, who do you say I am? And 
Peter went on to answer that, and we will be looking at his answer later on in this series. But for now, I want us to think about the question itself, because that's the question that we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks. Who is Jesus? It's an important question, that, uh, so important, in fact, that a church council, actually a couple of church councils, were called in the early 4th century to clarify the answer to just that question. And the result of the, the, the council, the uh, Council of Nicaea, it was called for that question. The result of that is the Nicene Creed, which we just read together. As I said, it's one of the two major creeds of the church, the other one, of course, being the Apostles' Creed, which, by the way, wasn't written by the apostles, but it was a sum of what the apostles believed. And the main difference between these two creeds, between the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed, is that the Nicene Creed expanded on the person of Jesus Christ, who he is, in order to counter some uh, erroneous teaching which had begun to creep into the church at that time. I mean, the devil's always tried to get to, tried to deceive people concerning Jesus' true identity. He tries to get people to think that he's less than or someone other than he is because he knows the power that is unleashed when people realize the truth about Jesus and about who he is. You see, it matters that we see Jesus for who he is. It matters a great deal. When Jesus walked this earth, as we just read, people had a lot of different ideas about who he was. Some say Elijah, you know, Jeremiah, the pro one of the prophets, you know, John the Baptist, you know, they had a lot of ideas about who he was. And it's still that way today. You ask anybody who Jesus is, and chances are you, you ask a room full of people, you're going to get a room full of answers. Hindus believe Jesus was a holy man and a wise teacher. I mean, Gandhi called him one of the greatest teachers of all time. To Muslims, he was a prophet. Isa is how he's called in the Quran. He was a, he was a prophet to the Muslims, one of five elite messengers of God. Most Buddhists believe that he was an enlightened man, a wise teacher. Even some who claim uh, to go by, the, by the, the title Christian or claim to be Christian have ideas about Jesus that differ from the truth of Orthodox Christian teaching. People have all kinds of beliefs about Jesus, but the fact is there is only one truth. Some of these others had a partial truth, but we're talking about the whole truth. So today we're starting a series I'm calling, Who is Jesus? Because one day, Jesus is going to ask each one of us, Who do you say I am? And all the answers that everybody else gives won't make any difference on that day. He's going to ask us, who do you say I am? And on that day, our answer to that question will have significant consequences. This is one answer that we simply can't afford 
to not get right. It matters how we answer it. So for the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about Jesus. We're going to be looking at the Bible and, and looking at what the Bible says about who he is. We're going to start at the beginning. So let's start today by looking at John's Gospel. John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Okay, John begins here by talking about someone called the Word. In the beginning was the Word. If we are to understand who Jesus is, there are some key things that we need to understand about the Word. And some of this may be, hopefully, is review for some of you. Some of it may be new or may be clarifying. So let me just talk about this a minute. Let's talk about the Word, because there are some things we need to understand. First, when he talks about the Word, he's talking about a person. The Word is a person. The word that's used, the, the Greek word that's used here is logos. The Greeks referred to logos as, uh, they, they said it referred to the governing power behind all things. The Jews use the term to refer to God. And in this passage, we see that the word is more than a force, is not just a concept, not a thought, not an idea. The word is a person. We see this by the use of the pronouns associated with the term or with the word word. <laughs> he was through him, without him, in him. Personal pronouns because the word is a person, not just a force or not just a power out there. Now, when we say person, let's not think about a body. It's one of the things that sometimes people get hung up on. We think of, uh, every time we think of a person, we think of what we see right in front of us. We think of a body, okay? Um, let's not think of a body right now, okay? Uh, personality, all right? We're, we're, we're not talking about a body yet, okay? Now, the second thing about the word is the word is eternal, Verse 1 says that in the beginning, starts out that way, in the beginning. Okay, typically when we think of the beginning of something, uh, we think of something which started at a definite point in time. This service begins at 10 a.m. sharp. I know some of us are a little confused about that, but this service begins. <laughs> I know, especially if you've got kids, it's like, you know, that goes out the door. You know, uh, service begins at 10 a.m. A baseball game might begin at 7 p.m. The 21st century began January 1st, 2000. 
But the word used for beginning here isn't referring to a specific point in time before which the word wasn't in existence. That's not what it's saying. The word is arche in the Greek, and it means in the forever past, in eternity past. Now that's important because it tells us there was never a time when the word did not exist. The word always existed. The word is eternal. The word existed before time itself existed. He is eternal. And that's because of the next thing that John tells us about the word. And the third thing is the word is God. And that's crucial to our understanding. John writes, the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now, think about that. How can he be with God and be God at the same time? It's because within the nature of one God, there is one true God. There are many false gods, but there is one true God. Within the nature of one God, there are three eternal persons. Now, remember, we're not thinking of a body. When we, when we think of you know, one God, we're not thinking and, and saying three eternal persons. We're not thinking three bodies in heaven that comprise God, okay? That's the error that some have, have uh, fallen into. Uh, and, and, you know, so there is one God, the Father, the Son, or, or, or the Word, who, who we'll see as the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the triune nature of God. That's where we get the word Trinity from. One of the many places where we look at it and say, okay, well, how can there be one God but three persons in one God? It's because of God's triune nature, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Each one is God. Each one is distinct from the others. They have their own distinct identity, yet they are a unity and they are one, not three separate gods. Now I say, well, I, I can't picture that. I can't wrap my head around it. And there's been all kinds of ways that people have come up with to try to explain it, and they all fall short. The fact of the matter is, there is much about God that is a mystery, it's a mystery of the faith, and we will not understand it, at least this side of heaven. So, back, back to this. That's how, God, that's how the Word can be with God and be God at the same time. They are one. All right? The Word was with God. The Word was God. Still with me? Okay. So what does all this talk about the Word have to do with Jesus, with who He is? Well, everything we just said comes together in this next point. The Word became flesh in the person of Jesus. Skip down to verse 14 of John 1. The Word became flesh. In other words, He took on a human body. The Word, this person called the Word that was with God and was God from all eternity past, at one point in time took on a human body. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, came to live among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the, only, of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. 
John testified concerning him, talking about John the Baptist. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. As we read that passage, it is clear that Jesus, it's talking about Jesus. The Word became flesh, made His dwelling among us, and then still talking about the Word in verse 17 says, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It's talking about the Word and Jesus being the same. The Word which John wrote about at the beginning of his gospel became flesh and is Jesus. Now think body. Because Jesus had a physical body of flesh and blood and bone just like you and I have. He has a physical body just like us. Now, why is this important and what does it mean? It's important because it really does matter that we know the truth about who Jesus really is. I tried to think of a way to illustrate this, a way to kind of stress the importance of this. Um, And this is my best attempt, so bear with me. If I'm driving across a bridge, I remember one time that driving across uh, over the bridge over Tampa Bay, one of the scariest moments of my life. I mean, I'm driving this bridge, very high. I mean, this bridge is like so high so ships could go over it, you know, I mean, go under it. <laughs> and I'm going across, and over the span of Tampa Bay, and I'm, I'm going all across this bridge. I'm driving a van. There's a little bit of wind out, so, you know, the van is kind of going like this. I've got, you know, uh, uh, let's see. A little bit of, you know, family in the car and, and that. And we're doing, you know, this thing. And I look over and there's like this one of the span, you know, it's going this way. And then there's another span, you know, over here a little bit with the separation. I look over and all of a sudden the span over there on that side is missing. Halfway across and it's missing. Okay. Found out later it's because a ship had run into one of the pillars and they all came tumbling down. Um, anyway, I'm driving, you know, if it, let's, let's say I'm driving across a bridge like that. I'm, it's over a raging river, you know, or, or anything. I'm putting my trust in the integrity of that bridge. I mean, how that bridge was built, what that bridge is made out of, the, how it's constructed, that matters a great deal. I'm trusting that it is going to be able to support the weight of my car or whatever I'm driving, so I can get safely to where I'm going. If I'm putting my trust in a bridge that can't deliver, then I'm in trouble, right? You know, we all have heard about, you know, construction jobs where, you know, there was some 
graft and you know substandard materials are used and, and it comes out much later and all of a sudden you know people's lives are lost because bridges collapse buildings collapse and so forth if i'm putting my trust in in a bridge that can't deliver i am in big trouble in the same way if the jesus that i'm putting my trust in isn't who jesus really is then I am I'm in big trouble. See the point? I'm in big trouble then. As we said at the beginning, people have all kinds of ideas about who Jesus is. I mean, a lot of people believe in a Jesus of their own making, of Jesus that is, you know, it's, it's like it's comfortable for them because, well, they don't want a Jesus that says this or, or you know, whatever. I, uh, the, the Jesus I'm going to believe in is going gonna, is gonna to be like this he hippie jesus (laughs) hippie jesus yeah he's gonna be all love and oh just do what you want and live how you want and it's all kosher and all you know a lot of people believe in jesus of their own making and it's not the jesus of the bible A lot of people have concocted a Jesus based on their own thinking, their own human reasoning. And there's little to sometimes no resemblance to the Jesus of the Bible. They're putting their trust in someone who can't save them. A Jesus that's less than the Jesus of the Bible or that is other than the Jesus of the Bible cannot save us from our sin, cannot transform our lives, cannot give us real hope, but only a false hope that will fall apart and crumble one day. It matters that we know the truth. That's why God has given us his word, has given us the scriptures so that we can know the truth the truth about the Father, the truth about Jesus, the truth about the Holy Spirit. See, the real Jesus can save us from our sin. The real Jesus does give us life-transforming power. He changes our lives. Our lives in this place today, so many of us have, have, you know, our, our lives have been transformed since we met him. He can give us real hope. The real Jesus of the Bible is a person who existed in heaven as the Word long before he took on human flesh and came to earth to live among us as a man. He was with God and he was God in the forever past. He's eternal. He created all things and he holds all things together. And if he can do that, which he can and he does, that means you can run to him when your life is falling apart because he can hold you together. He can hold your life together. There's only one person that was ever born that could put Humpty Dumpty together again, Jesus. Only one person that was ever born that can unscramble an egg. You know, this week we've had uh, uh, three of our grandkids with us all week or, or, or most of the week, and A.J.'s been learning how to scramble eggs. He's been learning how to cook eggs. 
And once it's done, there's no one scrambling it unless you're Jesus. He's the only one that can do that. And sometimes our lives feel like scrambled eggs. The real Jesus existed in eternity past and will continue into all eternity future. He is eternal. He has always been there. He's even been there in those times when we didn't know it. Those times when we're crying out to him and we don't feel his presence. We feel like he's far away. We feel like he's unreachable. And we're crying out and we don't feel a thing. We've all had those times. Every one of us. And, and he's even been there in those times. Patiently waiting. Wanting us to cry out to him. Wanting us to continue to cry out to him. Continue to, to, to come to him. And we can trust that he will always be there for us. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The real Jesus is the second person in the triune nature of God. He is coexistent and co-equal with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, and we'll be talking more about this later, but as man, he identifies with your struggles. He identifies with your weaknesses, with your temptations, with the things that hurt in life, with your pain. He knows what you're going through. And as God, he has all power and all authority to forgive your sin and heal every illness. He is fully able to transform your life when you come to him on his terms. We like to come on our own terms. God, if you'll do this, then I'll do this. Then No, it's like, God, I need you now. We come to him on his terms. We come to the truth of who he is and say, here's this mess of mine I'm calling my life. You can do something with it. Do it. And he does. He changes us. He transforms us. It doesn't always happen all at once. We have a lifetime of living it out. But it starts happening. I am nothing at all like I was in July of 1978 when I gave my life to Christ. When I said yes to him, I sat in that car and said, Lord, if you'll do this, I'll follow you. Just the thing we're not supposed to do. If you'll do this and I'll do it, well, he had grace on me. He knew I was an idiot, you know. And he answered that prayer within minutes. And I said, I'm yours. I've never regretted it. Have I struggled with that stuff since then? Yes, I've struggled with stuff since then. Did I become perfect right away? No, I didn't. I'm still working on that. Got a long way to go. But I'm nowhere near what I was. That's who the real Jesus is. He's the word that existed in eternity past and through whom all things were created. Being fully God, he took on human flesh when he was born in Bethlehem and then was both fully God 
and now fully man. If your Jesus is anything less than that, then I would encourage you, get to know the real Jesus. Because why would you want to settle for anything less? Give your heart, your mind, your life fully to Him. Once you know the real Jesus, the only thing that makes any sense at all is to put your full faith and trust in Him. He's not going to turn you into some weird person. He's going to make you, He's going to, to help you become the you that you were meant to become, that you were here created to become. Everybody close their eyes. I don't, I don't want anybody looking around. This is a private moment between each one of us and God. I'm going to ask the question, who do you say Jesus is? Is he the Lord of your life? Have you surrendered your life to him? If not, you can do that right now, sitting here in this room, sitting in living room at home, wherever anybody's watching this, listening to this. your faith is not in the Jesus of the Bible and you've not surrendered your life to him, then I encourage you right now, just put up your hand. I'm not going to take a long time on this. I just want to give an opportunity. Okay. One more thing I want to do. You can open your eyes. One more thing I want to do. We did this a few weeks ago, or two weeks ago. And um, if you are here and would like prayer for your body, prayer for some type of healing in your body, physical healing we're talking about, I want you to just raise your hand where you are. Anybody at all? Raise it high. Okay, um, we did this two weeks ago, and I had three reports come in. And we'll be saying more about some of that later, but I had three reports come in of people who were either healed or, in, uh, or, or um, encountered sin significant improvement in what they were getting prayer for. So, anybody else? You just have the one? Okay, this is what I want us to do. We're a church called to be the church, okay? That means every single one of us has been given a commission to declare 
and to demonstrate the kingdom of God. And part of the kingdom of God is healing the sick. Not just praying one day, okay, God, I pray that you would heal this person, but actually healing the sick. So, Steve, would you stand up? I want to ask some to just gather around and lay hands or stand. Let's all stand up. Makes it easier. Yes, we've got some of our Sockham graduates. Okay, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray. And this is what I want you to pray, as we did two weeks ago. Whenever you see, G whenever you see Jesus in the Bible heal someone, how did he do it? It was fever, go, all right, or whatever it is. Steve, you're welcome to share what it is if you want healing for. You don't have to. So we're praying. You're standing in for Rayetta. A little bit of you, okay. You can, you can share what you need to, if you want. Okay, do those around here? Did you hear? Okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray, and I just want you to command the body to be healed. Command whatever it is to whatever he shared to, uh, uh, to go and, you know, speak to his body and say, be made right or whatever. I couldn't hear it up here. Whatever it is, because that's how Jesus prayed in the Bible. That's how Peter and John uh, heal, healed the, uh, the lame man when they were going into the temple at the hour of prayer. They said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, you know, get up and, and walk. And he was healed. It wasn't like, oh, God, I ask you to do this. It was he gave us the power and he gave us the authority. So go ahead and pray. This is your turn.
Anybody else? Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your healing power. We thank you for the authority and the power that you've given us to heal the sick. To heal the sick and to bring your kingdom to people. Holy Spirit, continue your work in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, for some of you, you thought, what, am I, what have I gotten myself into? Okay. Um, and why did we do that? Because in a lot of churches, you know, you form a line, the guy up front comes and you know, lay hands on people. That's not what I'm here to do. I did that because of this, and this doesn't really have anything to do with the message and, and that, but, but with, with this. In Ephesians, Paul writes, and he says, He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, some as teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. My job is to train you to do the work of the ministry. The focus is never to be on the guy on front, up front, okay? I have the mic, the platform, so to speak, and so forth. But my job is to help you do your job, which is to proclaim and declare, or, or, or proclaim, declare, to, and to uh, demonstrate the power of God to do the work that we've been given to do, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to raise the dead. I haven't got to that one yet. Um, but that's what my job is to do. And that's why I, I, I love the vineyard saying everyone gets to play because everybody gets to do this stuff. All right? Now, let's uh, hold out your hands for the, for the blessing, the benediction. May the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better and know the true Jesus as he is described and revealed in Scripture. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.